Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Thank you, Chicago, for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. Oh, God. (laughs) You know, D, it's funny you play that. Of course, is. uh... Rahm Emanuel uh, on the night of his first mayoral victory. I think that's from 2011. Am I correct, Senator? I, I believe so. I, I have no clue. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Who knows? Dennis has been playing that for so long. Uh, thank you, Chicago. <laughs> you sure know. And then it, whenever he says you sure know how, of course, that goes back to that great song from the 60s, one of Dennis's favorite songs, where the guy goes, you sure know how to cook. Actually, he doesn't say that at all. He says she sure knows how to cook. Anyway. Uh, whenever I hear that, so I think of that song and Rahm Emanuel is on my mind because I have a similar question to the one I posed about Rahm. That's on my mind. Do you believe him? But um, I'll get to that, D. Oh. I'll get to that. That's called teasing, D. That's okay? good. Yeah. Look it up in your radio book, your textbook <laughs> under T for tease. Play the radio. <laughs> All right. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, November 11th is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, <laughs> Illinois, Indiana. The Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. Subscribe, check it out, and if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A. V is in victory, S-K-Y. Our guest is here. Yes! Woo-woo! Sorry, didn't mean to get too excited. And the Ben Jarofsky <laughs> Show starts now. It is Thursday, November 11th, and live from downstate Illinois and his attic in Chicago. <laughs> this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. pre-recorded not live today on the program we welcome back mark sims and it's the long-awaited ben jarofsky show return of latisa wallace and now your host chicago reader columnist ben jarofsky Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Do You Believe the Tears Thursday. Oh, I forgot what day it was. Do You Believe the Tears Thursday? And the tears, of course, are those. Are they even coming out of his eyes? From Kyle Rittenhouse testifying yesterday. Uh, While he was testifying, I was doing the show. We'd still do the show as a live show, ladies and gentlemen, even though we're having technical difficulties and can't do the uh, live stream. But we still do the show as a live show because that's how we go. So I still fret. With, you know, I don't know why I'm even fretting, D. I mean, it's like the, we could just stop the thing. It's like nobody's listening live. Oh, I'm really shattering all the walls here. But no, got to have that live feel. You know what I'm saying? We need the live feel. As such, I get very excited when my guests show up like my 
first guest, Mark Sims, who suddenly disappeared. But I know he's there somewhere. Anyway, I'm going to ask Mark about this right off the top. Uh, but the picture in the Chicago Tribune, you know, sometimes, you know, I love you, beloved bright one, home delivered every day. But the Tribune kind of beat you today. I'm just saying. They got a picture of Kyle Rittenhouse. I'm going to show this to Mark so he could see. Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs> I mean, he's got his eyes squeezed shut. It's like, he's like, I need a tear. I need a tear. I'm like, dude, you should have brought some onions to the stand. You know what I mean? Just put the onions in your pocket. And then this is kind of like, put them up to your eyes. You start crying. I mean, he's squeezing to get a tear out. No tear comes. Meanwhile, my beloved bright one. Look at this headline. Come on, Mark. Look at that front page. I mean, I know Avis Lavelle leaving the Park District is big news, but come on. The whole country's talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Anyway, it says Park Board President out in the Sun-Times. There's no picture of Kyle Rittenhouse squeezing out tears. We'll be talking about Avis Lavelle in the Park District uh, probably tomorrow and oh, what a week. But anyway, this, this Kyle Rittenhouse case, whew, I'm just, I, I have to admit I'm... Um, well, you know, it's really hard for me to uh, to say exactly how I feel about this. Uh, it just it it just sort of puts a spotlight on everything that's wrong with society today, and but uh, crime, murder, violence, guns, uh, two sets of justice, two double double standards, in the criminal justice system. You know, our attitudes about defendants who are white versus our attitudes about defendants who are not white. Uh, attitudes that police have toward people with guns. Just a lot, lot, lot. It just brings out a lot. And we do this in the context of Chicago, really struggling with a horrible problem of crime and violence and murder that I, folks, I do not even know where to start. So you know where I'll start? I'll start by welcoming back Mark Sims uh, to the show, the pride and joy of the South Side, the pride and joy of Fenger High School, a podcaster extraordinaire, and uh, he used to be, I used to go on his shows back in the early part of the century. And now he comes on my show. Uh, Mark Sims, uh, welcome back, Cotter. And uh, so much to discuss, young man. So much to discuss. Benny J, can you hear me, Benny J? Yes, you sound loud and clear. Okay, I loud can see you. I told you I bought a new camera just for you, just for this show. But yeah. You said my other camera sucked. Uh, the sound sucked, yeah. okay. The sound is so clear. This okay. sound is right. beautiful. Right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. But you know, I, I, I uh, forget about that. Go ahead with your question, man. I mean, you know, you get me all upset at this Kyle Rittenhouse. You want me to talk about that? And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> no, I, I, I reached out to you. Uh, there's certain people in my life that I really want to hear about, to hear from on this issue. One is Mark. The other one is El Dragon, uh, Adolfo Mondragon. Another I'm not gonna one. curse like Adolfo unless yeah, you want me to. Henry Do- Davis. Adolfo, he's the best. He's the best. No, he was. He's, re- Adolfo. he's ready. To- <laughs> <laughs> yeah so mark and the third one is henry davis will be coming on the show next week uh and jim coogan uh, now jim will be more clinical and he'll examine uh, from a legal standpoint what the judge's rulings and the uh you know and uh, how the lawyers perform etc and so forth but i think that uh, mark adolfo and um henry will speak from their heart just uh exactly how it struck them so mark I showed you the picture while I was doing the intro. One picture's a thousand words, and listeners can't see it, of course, but it's a picture on the front page of the Tribune, and good job, Tribune, uh, in my humble opinion, of really capturing the moment. The headline is, I use deadly force to protect myself. 
uh, Rittenhouse takes stand in his own defense during trial in Kenosha. And then there's a picture of Kyle Rittenhouse, the 18-year-old, I think he's 18, uh, who went up to Kenosha in the middle of a riot last summer of 2020, thought it was a good idea to go with armed uh, and uh, wound up shooting, uh, killing two people. Uh, who uh, were at uh, also in Kenosha at the time at like what I don't know it's like one in the morning or something insane, uh, and so he says I use deadly force to protect myself and he's trying to squeeze out a tear and I don't think there's any tears coming anyway. Mark, your thoughts about this? Well, on my fine podcast, just a few questions, just a few questions. Mark Sims, that's Mark with a C M A R C S I M S for those of you who are scoring at home. <laughs> I don't discuss these. I don't discuss topics on my show. I go. I go deeper, Ben. I go deeper into the not issues, but the uh, the milieu of my neighborhood and the world, or whatever. <laughs> no, wow. but Kyle Rittenhouse. I try not to watch this. I try not to watch the news too much because I'm getting I'm getting tired of the news. The t- news, uh, you know, six o'clock news. I get up in the morning at six five in the morning when I get up early, and I watch the news. You're a late person. I get up early because I go to bed like at nine or ten o'clock at night, Ben. You vampire! You you vampire! <laughs> I'm 3 talking to Bella over here, right? <laughs> I'm talking to the freaking vampire himself. I'm surprised you up. The sun is out. Yeah, no, now, all jokes aside, I saw the soundbite of uh, of uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, and he was like crying and whatnot. You forget the man is when he was 17 and committed the murders. Now he's an 18 year old murderer, and so he's crying because he's a kid. And I think the, the ju- his, his uh, jury team or his lawyer team wanted him to take the stand so, so he can show that he's a kid. He's a, he's a teenager. He's a murderer. That's what they forget. He's a murderer. Oh, we'll see what happens in this trial. This is a miracle. You know this, Ben. You know. And, uh, and I, I saw the tears. I was like, oh, my God, look at him cry. I want to see Kyle Rittenhouse wipe those tears while he's in a prison cell for the rest of his life. You know, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to talk, I try not to do race, what not too much, but this is, this is America. We can't talk about anything without race. You know, I'm just looking for you before you went on the air. I could be wrong, Ben. You are the journalist, Ben Drofsky. You know that. There are 11 men, nine women, 19 white, one Hispanic. And there are black people in Kenosha County, right? I'm assuming, right? Mm-hmm. Jacob Blake and his family and some others. There's a few Negroes up there. So for whatever reason, they couldn't find a, 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 a they see Kyle Rittenhouse has a jury basically of his peers. <laughs> so he could get off. And if he goes to jail, he won't go to jail for long. If that was Jacob Blake, and you can remind people who Jacob Blake was, is, yeah. and from Jacob Kenosha. Blake. Jacob Blake he was the man who was shot by the police officers. Go ahead. That's, that's right. He was shot. Shooting triggered this. Go ahead. By the police officers. We all saw it on camera. That was Jacob Blake walking with a, what, a, what was it, AK? What did Kyle have? AK 47, FR 7. What, what did he have? No, I forgot. He had a big old gun. 17 year old boy with big old gun from Illinois. Mama took him up there. Mama should be in jail right now. She should be in jail for accessory to murder. And so, and, and, I mean, seriously, she should be in jail for accessory to murder. I don't know how you do it. You got to get Jim Coogan on. He'll tell you about how this stuff worked, the lawyer. But that was Jacob Blake who walked down the street in Kenosha with a big old gun and shot two people and harmed another person. Guess what Jacob Blake would be right now? He will be Jacob. under the freaking jail. Yeah. 
They are black folk. I'm not talking about, I hate to go race. They are African-Americans, black people who've been in jail for like 20, 30, 40 years for weed, for marijuana possession, a little bit of cocaine, a little bit of crack. And this young man is probably, if he goes to jail, he won't go to jail for long. I'm not a lawyer, but we know what country we live in. In the good old days, he wouldn't have been charged for murder. He wouldn't. This is sad. And like the lady, I was some somebody I was hearing, uh, there are at least half the country or more are sympathetic with Kyle Rittenhouse. They think he had a right to bring his gun across state line to Kenosha to protect whatever. Who is he protecting? He's a 17 year old. He, who is he protecting for what? So they, they have sympathy that's why people, there were people who watched him cry on the stand, on the sound bites, on the news, and the, and the video bites. They had sympathy for this young man. He's a nice young man. He had a gun. He was protecting himself. And that's the key they're going to say, listen here. He wasn't, he was, he had a gun. He has a right to have a gun. He was protecting the property. He was protecting the people, Kenosha. He has a right to protect himself. This was self-defense when he shot those two people dead. And he may get off on this or get a very light sentence. Because he was protecting himself. He has a right to have a gun. This is America. Yeah. By the way, uh, you keep saying he cried in the witness stand. It's a, t it's a small point, but I'm not sure this is actual tears. If you got to see this picture, I mean, the guy is wait, really wait, wait. trying to You're going to give him Academy Award or what? What are you doing? No, you Academy doing? Award is where you have real tears. Like I, I said this yesterday where I was talking to Monroe. I go, there was a uh, episode of the Larry David show, which by the way is a hilarious show. And uh, where there was a, a woman who played a, a, a character who was a professional crier and she could like summon real tears and she would do it on the show and they uh, did it for comic purposes. But uh, I, I, I'm sort of making light of this, but it just fits uh, a narrative that you were laying out, Mark. And, this narrative that he is just a a good American teenage young man who was protecting the good uh, property owners of Kenosha when he went up there with his gun and then ended up protecting himself. And it's just so unfair that he's facing it. And that's the narrative that those tears are supposed to reinforce. You're absolutely correct. I presume that's why his lawyers uh, said, go on that stand uh, and, uh, you know, put, bring on the waterworks here. Um, I'm, I don't have, I have no idea what's in his heart of hearts. All I know is this, uh, that it is part of staging a, a sort of a certain narrative that's getting a message out to those jurors. And I, 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 I sense it's going to work. I sense it's going it's to It's going to work to some degree, but can you imagine if Kyle Rittenhouse was at Cook County, the Cook County Courthouse? <laughs> with a, I, I, you, can bring, you can bring some uh, 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 Latinos on. You can bring other people color. You can bring some good liberal white folks on the jury. But let's imagine they were all black from the west side or south side of Chicago or the southern suburbs or the western suburbs. All black jury in Cook County. What's going to happen to Kyle Rittenhouse? They like, oh, judge, this is over. Send that boy to jail for the next 40, 50, 60 years. Come on, he's a murderer. But I, I, I'm surprised. No, I, I'm surprised. That, I'm not sure she's surprised because I don't know what's going on. Is he a sociopath? Or was a sociopath, psychopath? I get a mixed up. Is he, is he mentally stable? He seems mentally stable, but his frontal lobes are not fully developed. He's he, but but he would be tried as a, a adult murderer in a, if he was a black kid in Wisconsin. 
In Wisconsin, they were, you, you ever listen to, what's the TMJ being? We're going far up here. You ever listen to TMJ? I think it's 620, because you can hear it in here in Chicago sometime. 620 AM on your radio dial. And you should hear, I think they play, I hear it when I listen to Brewers sometimes. Don't ask me why I'm listening to Brewers. But the point is that you can hear the uh, Milwaukee radio station. And you hear, it's conservative radio station. You should hear conservative radio. They will have empathy for this young man. They think he should go free. He's a nice boy. He's like your son with a gun, and he shouldn't be charged with murder. It's pathetic. Yeah. But this, this is America for you and me, Ben. Well, and I'll tell you this. the And this came out uh, in another matter involving uh, Wisconsin. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay uh, Packer quarterback, which is an obsession of mine at the moment. Uh, the sense is, is that somehow around, this is where our country is right now, uh, Mark Sims. So... You and I see it one way. The other side, you talk about listening to conservative radio, uh, feels that the, they're the victims. And that's, you know, what Aaron Rodgers did. Same thing. It's where, uh, and again, it's a self-pity party. So Aaron Rodgers gets in trouble for being caught in a lie about whether he was vaccinated. Uh, and then he goes on to a favorable radio show and uh, does a counterattack where he says he's, the, he's being victimized by a woke mob. Uh, and so this is just the message that MAGA is putting out. So if you ever try to hold MAGA accountable for anything they do, be it lying about whether, where they were vaccinated in the case of Aaron Rodgers, which is relatively minor compared to this, which is showing up at a riot with a gun and then getting into uh, a confrontation and then shooting two people or killing two people, shooting a third uh, like Kyle Rittenhouse he shouldn't be punished either, according to MAGA, because he's a victim. Do you follow what I'm saying? It's the rioters who are to blame, not the man who showed up at the riot with a gun. And so do you follow what I'm saying, Mark? In other words, there's a uh, tremendous reservoir of self-pity that uh, MAGA uses to sort of... No, like I agree with you. I agree with you, and I agree with the narrative and how they're using the narrative. But And I know that the, the, the Kyle Rittenhouse's uh, defense team may use this. They may not. Who knows? They may say something like, listen here, good people. Kyle Rittenhouse is on trial. Not the history of this country, not white supremacy, not white privilege. White privilege is not on trial here. The bad things about this country is not on trial here. Kyle Rittenhouse is a nice young man that deserves to go home because he was defending himself. He has a right to defend himself. This is America, a right to defend yourself in public with a gun, a big old gun. And, and so, so white privilege and the bad parts of American history is not on trial here. White privilege, you know. So they're going to probably use that because that's because that's what it's like. I don't want to go far afield per se, but that's what I do. I, I'm starting to get discursive as we speak, Ben Jarofsky. It's like in Virginia. I'm not, I don't think much of Terry McAuliffe. You know, he's, you know, I don't, you like that guy? Terry McCullough ran for, what was it, Senate governor, whatever, right? Governor. Governor. Oh, they changed that. I thought that in Virginia, you only had to have one term as governor four years in Virginia. They must have changed the laws they, there. Well, no, you can't have two consecutive terms. So he I thought, it was, I thought it was. I thought it was one four years and you're out. They yeah, but then you them. can run, uh, in, in four other years, you can run again. Oh, okay. It's All like right. in Alabama back in the day. I can't believe I know this. So George Wallace uh, served, I think it was one term, and then his ter his uh, he used up his terms, so he had his wife run. I'm not making this up. This is true. This is Alabama history. His wife ran, she won, and then he could come back after she was done. Oh, that's how it is. But the point is yeah. that 
the boogeyman going, I'm going backwards here. Uh, you have the, the, uh, the conservative narrative. They're teaching cr critical race theory in your public schools. They're going to teach the bad history of, your, of America to public schools. They're going to teach your children that the founding fathers, all but one, own slaves. They own black people from Africa. We can't let that go on. We need freedom, justice, and equality. We must maintain a white superiority over these Negroes and the other people of color here in the United States. <laughs> so, I mean, so, and, they, and this, this is America. And people, if you're a young person, if you're a young person, uh, ben always talks about he loves uh, uh, um, uh, Harold Washington. Who doesn't? Turn that ear. Uh, who doesn't? <laughs> I know a lot. But that's what I'm getting to. But that's what I'm getting to. Yeah. It's like I, I talk to a younger person than me because, you know, you're getting kind of old, Ben. Is that uh, <laughs> you always like telling how old you are. So we go, let's have fun. I was telling a younger person he either was too young to remember or wasn't born when uh, the OJ trial went on which was huge for the you younger viewers and listeners here, viewers, listeners. That was, that was, so I'm saying most people don't un really understand the history of this country. They don't really understand that there were black folks from Africa that was brought here to be slaves for 246 years, right? And we had to, and they fought a civil war indirectly to free the slaves, not directly, but they had a civil war. And they helped the Negroes down for another hundred and something years. And they still sort of, you know, it's not good. It's not great. So I, I'm saying people don't know, people say white privilege. They don't understand the history. When you understand Kyle Rittenhouse, you have to go back to this history of this country. Kyle Rittenhouse is going to get a fair trial. If he was Jacob Blake or some other brother from Kenosha, he wouldn't get a fair trial. You're going to jail. You're not going to get off. You're not going to get a, a get out of jail for free card or whatever, like the Monopoly game. So it's really disgusting. And you have, I bet you most of, uh, you ought to listen. I, mean, I, I didn't listen to TMJ. I listen. To, I just need to listen to more conservative stations more because I can't. A few minutes of conservative or Fox News, you're like, oh my God, I got to turn this crap off. I mean, this is this. You ever, you ever watch Fox News? I mean, I, mean, yeah. I, I saw a Fox News thing on on the on the, on the uh, YouTube video. And I said, oh my, because I don't have cable anymore. I'm so glad I don't. I, I mean, it's just disgusting what goes on. You can't have a sane discussion about anything. And when it comes to race, do we have to talk about slavery again? Yes. We're going to talk about slavery for the next thousand years, maybe 2000 years. You're never going to get over it and never get around it. So you have to talk about the unfairness and the justice because life is unfair. Somebody's always going to get more. Somebody's going to get the short end of the stick. So Kyle Rittenhouse should be going. It shouldn't be an issue, but I don't, he has a, right now he has a jury of his peers. So he got a good chance of getting off or getting a light sentence. Uh, all right. Uh, you, that was a great riff. I'm just going to, I took notes on it. So I'm going to start off uh, with the first point you made and just going to politely disagree with you a little bit. Please. Uh, you say the, uh, ju the lawyers for Rittenhouse will tell the, the jury white privilege is not on trial here. Yeah. Uh, that, the bad parts of American history are not on trial here. I don't think yeah. they will. They will have to do that because that would be the kind of message a judge would give to a jury if the, um, the, the defendant was black. Right. You're right. And he had a deal and the jury had a deal with, and the, and the, and the defense lawyers were putting America uh, racism on trial. The OJ trial, you mentioned it. That's what Johnny Cochran did. He put American racism, he put American racism uh, on trial and the jury, which was, there were black people on that jury said, yeah, 
American racism is horrible. I don't trust these cops. I think they planted the evidence of the of of uh, against OJ. And even if they didn't, I don't trust them anyway. And we're gonna uh, acquit him. Everyone knew he did it. Mark yeah. Sims. Everybody knew he did it. But Johnny Cochran successfully put racism on trial. Now he put the he put the he put the police, put the police on trial. trial. The police yeah, on trial. Police. And, and and the case was 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 Kerry. I'm sorry, cutting y'all. It was in L.A. Yeah. County. It was in Simi Valley or some other county outside of L.A. County. O.J. still be in jail. Yeah. OJ, and then that, that, to finish it up to your point, the second trial, the civil trial, was in an all-white area, and they found him guilty. And I don't know if he's paid any of the money out yet on that one. But the yeah. point is, is this this lawyer, defense lawyer, won't have to say that because he probably worked from the assumption that uh, the jurors don't even believe in white privilege. Do you follow what I'm saying? So it's not like they're going to be sympathetic to somebody who is a victim of white privilege. You get what I mean? It's oh, not in uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, they're <laughs> I, mean, like, I don't right. know about uh, Madison is probably the only because uh, liberal place in uh, well, I think some place upstate, way upstate, Milwaukee. Well, I heard I saw some blue counties or something way upstate in Wisconsin, parts of Milwaukee. You know, Milwaukee's still Milwaukee now. Come on, yeah. they, it's voted like the worst place to, for black people to live. You know that it's like the worst city black people should live in. Uh, Milwaukee, and then you have, uh, uh, you know, of course, Madison, and then the rest of it is, you know, whatever. But I'm saying, Wisconsin is like Illinois and like most of America. It's, it's, I wouldn't say racist. They're blind to racism. They refuse to look, look at racism and injustice and unfairness because they feel like if we're fair, that means you or your children, your children's children, could be ruling over our children in about one or two generations. And we don't want that because this is a yeah. white country. It's always going to be for white folks. You know that. Uh, that <laughs> I like the, the the impersonations that you do. All of a sudden, like you're a white slave owner. You're like um, yeah. Don Johnson in Django. All of a oh, sudden. Man, wasn't Don, Don Johnson good as a slave? He was, was so I was, like, I was like, Don Johnson, a slave master in Django? He was phenomenal, people. You ought to see it. He was great. He, he was so yes, sir. Kyle Rittenhouse is a free man, and a free man could have a gun and defend himself in Kenosha. Hey, when you do it that way, it does. Yeah, Maga's like now not in tech. Well, yeah, he's making perfect sense. We should do like a a, a, a talk show for Maga, Mark. You and I could. Let me tell you, so let's go far afield. For those of you who don't know, Ben used to have this radio show. It was a great radio show. That's why it's not on the radio anymore. You used to, see, the younger people don't remember the Mighty Carson Arts players, Ben. You know that? Johnny Carson, this guy, had a show back in the day. Me and Ben only a few years apart. And so the Mighty Carson Art players would do skits. So Ben, he had it like the Ben Jarofsky Mighty <laughs> Carson Arts player. And you used to do these things. I, I did a couple of readings on your show. It was so phenomenal. It was so kick ass. Let me start cursing. Your show was so kick ass. And they took it off the air because and I, I'm bringing the show with Ben and and, uh, and uh, Cal Rittenhouse because your show was too black. I'm serious. Your show was too righteous. It was about equality. It was about a fairness for all. That's why you're not on the radio. I'm serious. Yeah. And not to, that's not to put anybody down on that old radio station. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, per se. Per se. Not the, yeah. not the, not, maybe the management, but not the, uh, not the, uh, no, no, I, I have a few problems with some of the management there. Long story. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you that story. story. Uh, 
I'm going to resist the temptation to go down that path and talk about the the radio show, and we'll talk about. But it was this. about it's about peace, justice, and equality. You're a fair guy. You're a fair person, Ben. Most America's not fair because they say, "Wow, it, I mean, it's like it, before you get off, get me off the show. Let's talk about crime in Chicago." Yeah. Before you get me off this thing. All right, uh, Latisa Wiles will be joining us soon, but she's not here yet. All right, uh, crime in Chicago, and it's connected, in my humble opinion, uh, Mark. It's connected, number one, by the guns, the proliferation of guns. That's the obvious connection. It's just like guns are absolutely everywhere, and there's we're incapable as a society, as a civilization, to stemming us. Do you know what I'm saying? There's, it's like the most logical thing would pass a law to hold gun manufacturers responsible for the carnage their weapons cause, but no— Congress has gone the other way and outlawed it. So I don't know, absent of that, Mark Sims, people, uh, how we're going to stop just like the love, the obsession that Americans have with guns and the way they resort to guns uh, for a- anything. And so I, I'm watching the Kyle Rittenhouse got a, a rifle, goes down to Kenosha in the middle of a riot, and police in Kenosha and Wisconsin seem to think that's perfectly acceptable. And then here in the city of Chicago, it's just, it's just unrelenting carnage every day, Mark. And yeah, we, we you know what? Live with it. Go I ahead. Cut you, man. You're the man, Ben. But, uh, oh, but oh, speaking of Ben, oh, oh, wait. Remind me to talk about the movie Blue Velvet before we get off the air, okay? All right, Dean Stock will just die. But anyway, That's go ahead. That, okay, we're done. That's what I'm going to say. Because <laughs> like, like, you played a character called Ben, right? And he and it's just if you ever seen Dean Stockwell do the his character of being in Blue Velvet, you won't really you won't really get the, the whole uh, gist of until you see the whole movie. But you can see the just a clip on the internet. He was phenomenal. Yes, I, I, I saw him on uh, Quantum Leap back on NBC back in the day too in the eighties. But the point is that it, he's he was phenomenal as being. Okay, cool. Because yeah. hey, you're by being. The way, when you he say being. Ben. When you say Ben, what that triggers in my ancient uh, baby boomer mind was a song by Michael Jackson about a, it was a movie. I'm not making this up. This is before your time called Willard about a guy, uh, Ben, who fell in love with a bunch of rats. <laughs> oh, wait, ben, hey, I, Ben, I, I, sent you the, I sent you the song like two weeks ago on your video. I'm like a month ago on your on your email. You Remember I sent you that? I sent you, you the me. song. I sent you the Michael Jackson song. I, I, I don't remember you. that. I don't I know, remember that. you're busy. Want me, yeah, sing no, this, I, want me to sing the song? No, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I can't. We get sued, man. Come on, we get sued. You're not gonna get sued. <laughs> we'll but the point is that look up the song. Hey, Michael Jackson sang this theme song to the movie Willard. Okay, wait. And so you went off. T- we went on a tangent. We don't get. We don't get back to the crime. But this is okay, more we'll fun. Get back to the crime. <laughs> yeah, talking about Willard. Wait, now I can't remember. And this is where uh, my age is getting. It. Was Willard the rat, or was Willard the the? I think he, Willard was the young man, and Ben, and ben was, was the, the rat. When Ben, ben was, was the, the rat, rat that he's yeah. in love with. Right. What a weird thing. This was a movie, ladies and gentlemen, about it's 1971. Real, ben, you okay? Keep going. <laughs> <Two of> us. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead, Spud. Uh, oh, uh, oh, oh, okay. All right, I'm seeing messages here. No, so how do we get back to crime? Crime is like I was looking at this this woman. She looked she looked white. Nowadays, you don't know where people are from, including me. So she looked white. She was on the TV news. There was some shooting in the north side somewhere. Oh, this some ladies on the show now. Yeah, that's she, some lady. That's Latisha Wallace. She looks better than me. Right. I need to get off the air now. Oh no, it's <laughs> all right. Okay. Let me finish this crazy story. You get this nice lady on the show. So she was crying. She's like, "This crime in Chicago. My neighbors in the north side. This is terrible." I'm like, 
Boo hoo hoo. People get shot all the time out right here where I live. It's gunshots, guns are blazing every day. I was in Inglewood, right? And I was like, pow, 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 pow. Well, it's shots in my neighborhood too, but I'm like, damn. So you, so when it's crime in our neighborhood, no one really cares. A shooting on the north side and and uh, Lincoln Park or something. Oh, this is terrible. We got to stop this crime in Chicago. We can stop it. Just see, give people a decent education. Make sure they can read and write, and don't come out of high school uh, uneducated yeah. or unskilled, or untrained. You can stop the crime. You can stop it in five years. Stop it. It'll be over. No more crime in about five years if you really wanted to. Uh, that was uh, Mark Sims, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, I don't know if it would completely stop crime, but it would. It's it would go a huge step in the right direction. I believe ben, that. It I dedicated my it. life to that. Stop it! It will stop it, Ben. You, you ought to. I used to go to the public schools all the time, and I'm I'm interviewing a lady later on today. A big shot. We're going to talk about public education. She's from, I mean, I shouldn't tell you who she is, but she's a big shot in this town by education. We're going to talk about public education and crime because people talk about crime. Everybody knows if you, how many college graduates are going around shooting people and murdering people and carjacking? How many people that are electricians and plumbers who make 100K a year, 80K, 90K a year going around shooting people? If you have a skill, you have, a, oh, let me look at this camera here. You have a skill, you have a public education. You're not going to commit crime. Most people committing crime, they probably, you know, some kind of learning disability. I know you have one. You've been self-diagnosed, but they could be dyslexic. They could some other learning ability. They have some kind of trauma. They can be helped. You can stop the crime. I really believe it. It doesn't go on because guess what? 80% of the murders, are, I think, are either black folks are the victim or black folks can perpetrate the murder. Most of the murders are black people. That's why we don't stop it, Dan. It's a race thing. That's in the city of Chicago that you're talking about. I'm talking about city of Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, I, I can't yeah. believe it's that way. Uh, no, in the city of Chicago, is, we, we kill each other left and right. We've always killed each other left and right. No one gives a damn because it's us. When we start killing other folks and start committing crime, oh, this is a travesty. we got to stop it. This is, they're coming from their neighborhoods into my neighborhood. Oh, <laughs> give me a break. That is Mark Sims, ladies and gentlemen. Mark, before I uh, bring Latisa Wallace on to talk about her congressional campaign, uh, tell folks wait, where wait, she run, wait, 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 she running for office? Yes, yeah, 17th Congressional District. Who's that? Latisa. You can't see her name because it's buried in the corner there. But. I thought you meant U.S. U.S. Uh, yes, U.S. Oh. Congress. Yeah. Oh, that's, down, that's downstate. Was that Peoria? No, it's, it's not downstate. Peoria. Well, okay. All right, the district is so long. We'll get into all that. All right, I don't cool. want to. Okay. All right, so Mark, before I bring Latisse on, tell folks where they can hear uh, the Mark Sims podcast. Oh, you just type, type in Mark Sims. I pop up. Mark Sims, M A R C S I M S. And I pop up. Here I is. I'm going right, to have Mark. to come downstate, Miss Wallace. Well, actually, I think she lives upstate. Come visit. Um, yeah, technically upstate, but you know, everybody says outside of Chicago. Oh, wait, wait, where's it? Where you, yeah, where, that's true. Where you at? I'm in Rockford, Illinois. Oh, you know, one of the. Uh, I'm from the South Side, so. For real? Well, you're yeah. smart and got out. You're good. <laughs> you got out when it good and was good. You did the well, right my, thing. My parents had good union jobs and it, it helped. So. No, it's all good. Um, I'm here. I'm a, I'm a lifer, but it's all good. We have to see you upstate then. I hope you win. You seem like a nice person. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Mark Sims. And uh, that's the Mark Sims. Uh, frequent guest on the Ben Drossi Show. Latisa Wallace used to be a guest on the Ben Drossi Show all the time. 
Uh, it's been a while, so uh, welcome back, Cotter, as I say to any guest who uh, hasn't been on the show in a while. Welcome back, Latisa Wallace. Hi, thank you for having me. I have missed you and Dennis. How are you, gentlemen? We're doing well. We're doing Great. well. Touch wood. I'm touching wood right now. I have a lot of things on my mind. Uh, Mark and I were talking a lot about the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Maybe get your thoughts on that as well, because it's not far uh, from where you live. But uh, before we get to that, Latisa Wallace, you folks may remember her. She's used to come on my show all the time because, one, she ran uh, with Dan Biss uh, for lieutenant governor back in 2018. Good God, that's already three years ago. Yeah, uh, she, so state rep, And she was a state rep from Rockford uh, and a very progressive state rep. And I'd always have her on the show talk about her very pro- progressive initiatives. Uh, that she would introduce and uh, Leticia, you were great at telling me like the, what the tenor was like in, in Springfield, what it's like to be a black woman representing uh, a district from, uh, from Rockford and dealing with some of the Republicans who could be a little patronizing, a little condescending. And we had some great conversations back in the day, Leticia Wallace. We have, and it, it does seem like just yesterday, but also a lifetime ago. So um, during the Biss Wallace campaign, I was walking around with a baby strapped to my chest. That baby is now four, um, and it's, I still get to be in his life. And uh, my little guy, when I started in the Illinois house, used to, when he came to the floor with me, he'd crawl under the desk the empty desk next to me and sit under there and play on his phone. He's now 17 and about to graduate from high school. So he seems like yesterday, but (laughs) still a very long time ago. Kids are walking calendars as Blanche from one of my favorite shows, Golden Girls says. So, Golden Girls, perhaps the only good show to come out of the 80s, uh, but that's a conversation for another time. (laughs) Sitcoms. Uh, All right. So you were a state rep and you, had to give that seat up. Uh, you ran with uh, Dan Biss. Uh, what made you decide to get back into politics, Latisa? Now you're running for Congress in the 17th Congressional District. What made you decide after uh, leaving it and going into the private sector uh, to jump back in? Well, you know, I you know, I think most public servants um, go into the race thinking about their families and the future. So I just talked about those two little boys who one isn't so little anymore, um, but they actually help to embody some of the things that I want to be able to fight for. I have a, a future college student. I believe that people should have affordable um, college. They should be able to access it without coming out with tons of debt. And uh, the child that I once fostered is four. And we should have access to universal health care, universal early childhood education. And we definitely should also figure out ways for universal child care and affordable child care. So looking at those two guys, thinking about um, the the landscape, I know it'll be a hard fight, but it just I believed that my background and my passion for helping people and, and doing things to make my part of the world a better place made me a good fit for getting into this race. All right. Uh, before we get into the specific specifics of the new district, before we get into the challenges of winning uh, the election, what you'd be up against, how would you define yourself politically, Latisa? Would you say uh, you're a centrist? Would you say you're a progressive? Uh, how would you define yourself politically? You know, that's probably a question that I've been asking myself for a long time. I never put a label on it until I 
started running for lieutenant governor. And then, of course, we were the, the progressive ticket. But I, I often like to say, and I think that the things that I've championed and fought for are things that probably my great grandmother would have been fighting for, you know, having a living wage, um, having your labor respected, um, being able to have access to the ballot, being able to know that your children are safe, having great schools, access to health care. I'm pretty sure that my great grandmother would have been fighting for those things. And I don't know if there would have been a progressive label on that back in the 19 teens and 20s. So that's that's always a really hard question for me to ask or, or answer, because I think that there are just certain things that all families, neighborhoods and communities need. And I don't think that falls necessarily in certain categories, but outside well, no. of people say I'm the progressive. <laughs> yeah, I, I the things that you just uh, that are, you just articulated, you just pointed out are things that I think are just so fundamentally uh, necessary for a civilized society. I would add, uh, you know, healthcare in there. Uh, but yet in the, the world that we live in, uh, the things that you were advocating for are often deemed uh, radical notions. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, as though there was some kind of deviancy to them. And this is this position that the Republican Party has staked out. Uh, so they're like just total opposite. Well, they only got 13 Republicans to vote for an infrastructure bill, which is freaking bridges and roads, for goodness sakes. You know, yeah. it doesn't get any more basic than that one, Latisa. It's but what you're talking about. And I remember this when when you would introduce bills in this in the, in the state house, you know, like helping kids or whatever. Then you have some Republicans would stand up and they would talk about, you know, uh, welfare and, uh, and crime. And I'm like, what is that? What are you even the talking about? Lunch bill, right? The lunch bill. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I laugh because that was a really tough time. Um, but, you know, you brought up a great point about the infrastructure bill. You know, that's something that if I were there, I certainly would have supported. I know there were some parts of the progressive, the progressive caucus held out um, on that. I would have voted for the infrastructure bill, um, but we still need to get back and get the human and social infrastructure bill done. Um, in terms of that, that joke that I just made about the launch bill, you know, people have often tried to pigeonhole me into a particular space around what my politics look like. And maybe it's not uh, moderate enough for the district that I'm hoping to represent in, in DC, but interesting enough, every bill that I got out of the house chamber and through the legislative process to the governor's desk became law. So there was something to be said for that. And if for those of you who don't remember, that governor was Bruce Rauner. It was not J.B. Pritzker. So, you know. Well, what was the, the specifics of the lunch bill? <laughs> Before we get into the, the district, uh, I just, just to help people out, you, we, we referred to the uh, lunch bill. Uh, just uh, help people out. What, was, what were the specifics of that bill? So it was a bill that, you know, ironically enough, flew out of the Senate, no problem. I was the House sponsor of it, and only one Republican in the House voted for it. But it was a bill that would eliminate lunch shaming, right? So I remember going to school where kids got a wristband if they qualify for free or reduced lunch. And they had to show that wristband or a different color ID in the cafeteria to get the free or reduced lunch. 
Um, and there was a different line and different food even. So this bill would have you know eliminated that. It also stated that you know, the school has to give the child the same meal, right? It can't be a different meal than what other students are, are getting. And it did cap um, what could happen, right? So sometimes students have that reoccurring or rolling student lunch account. You know, if it got too out of hand, then there was some backstop for that. And even the comptroller could have stepped in and, you know, said we're going to garnish wages for, for this lunch. But got one Republican to vote for it, but I got Bruce Rauner to sign it. So um, kids, I think people should be able to eat. Yeah. yeah I remember <laughs> that one. That was, uh, that was shaming of, of many sorts in that bill. All right. Uh, so you said, uh, you were, you were alluded to the district, what the district looks like. It's a newly drawn district. Yes. Uh, it's the 17th congressional district. We've talked a lot about this Latisse on the show, but just to remind folks, uh, every 10 years is your reapportionment in the, uh, in the country after the census. It's, uh, the gear, the intention is to make sure that all districts have roughly the same number of people of them in them because the Illinois population fell relative to the rest of the country. The state of Illinois lost a seat. So we used to have 18. Now we have 17 congressional districts. This is basic 101 civics, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and uh, so one of the districts is a new one in that uh, it has no incumbent. It's uh, the Sherry Bustos uh, is the currently the, the congressperson for the 17th congressional, but she's retiring. So it's an open seat and yeah. an open seat that was designed, the district was designed to benefit uh, Democrats. Democrats are counting on uh, to win this seat. But the real fight, of course, will be uh, in the Democratic primary. A lot of people will be jumping in uh, to run for an open seat to replace Sherry Bustos. Now, Latisa, I think you're the first one to announce. Uh, so talk a little bit about the district itself, what it looks like, and what the challenges are for a candidate like yourself who's trying to appeal to voters throughout the state. Go ahead. So the district um, is geographically diverse. It's more racially and ethnically diverse than um, the current district now. And it is also economically diverse. So you have rural areas, you have suburban areas, you have um, agricultural areas, and you have spaces like Rockford and Peoria and Bloomington that have um, really quaint, beautiful downtown areas. Um, so that's kind of what the district uh, looks like. It goes all the way to the Mississippi River and um, includes all the rivers kind of in between in the western portion of the state. Um, there are already several people in the race, Esther Joy King and someone else will have um, built, duke it out in the primary, for, forgive my ignorance for not remembering the gentleman's name. And there will be several of us on the de Democratic side in the primary. But what sets me apart from everyone that's in the race right now is that I have a track record of being able to get things done. And we kind of just talked about how, even in the midst of um, really divisive rhetoric, and even if there's only one Republican, and that's just one extreme bill, but other bills I was able to get um, bipartisan support of, and again, having um, a Republican governor sign the legislation that I was able to push forward. So that sets me apart. Um, I have that background of being able to legislate and negotiate. I also have the background of having been a counselor and an educator. So I'm looking forward to going through the district and having meet and greets and listening to the people who live, no matter what the geography of the space is that they live in the district. So I can learn how to best uh, champion uh, what they want and to, what they want to see from Washington. 
And what about endorsements from uh, other elected officials? Uh, have you been uh, gathering those uh, or are you prepared to, to run even if you don't get them? Oh, I'm prepared. I'm in this. We announced yesterday I'm in this. Um, this is for me very, very much about the people that I formerly represented, being able to deliver for them again, being able to deliver for a, a much larger group of people and ultimately being able to deliver for the two young men that uh, tug at my heart every day. Uh, and uh, so fundraising, what's the challenge of running for Congress? It's uh, obviously a lot larger district than state rep. So what are the fundraising challenges? Well, you know, being in this a state representative race um, and also having run statewide, you know, a good chunk of what you have to do is exactly that, raise money, be on the phone, um, be out and about meeting people who are willing to su support and invest in uh, what I hope becomes a movement. Um, so that's, that's what it's going to take. It's just going to take that grit of, you know, your ear burning, phone's right here next to me right now, um, and doing all that you can, reaching out to your friends, family, and even uh, known donors to, to make sure that we have the resources we need to run a successful campaign. Latisa, I just happened by chance to uh, read a story, a column in today's Sun-Times by a very pr uh, powerful column by uh, S.E. Cup uh, right before uh, we began the show. Uh, and it relates to what you want to do. And it's a it's a column that talks about uh, Representative Paul uh, Gosar from Arizona, a far right wing MAGA congressman uh, who shared a video uh, which in the video uh, AOC was mm -hmm. being killed. I don't know if you heard about this, but a very powerful column by Essie Cup. And Essie Cup, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, this is a, uh, a conservative columnist who's just outright, I got to give her a lot of uh, respect because she's a conservative columnist. She doesn't agree with me on pretty much any political issue, but uh, she shares my sense of decency and how you should, the kind of behavior you should uh, go through life exhibiting. Uh, and she's uh, not afraid to stand up to MAGA and stand up to Trump. And she's outraged uh, over this video, which sh shows uh, AOC being killed. And uh, Gosar is just sort of laughing at it, pounding his chest and endorsing it. And this is the tenor and the tone of where so many Republicans are right now. It's a very violent time, uh, politically speaking, just as like this edge of anger and violence uh, on the part of MAGA. And this is me speaking, Latisa. I'll get your thoughts on this. You want to be a, you want to go to Congress. Uh, doesn't the tenor and tone in any way intimidate you or uh, scare you or make you just want to stay at home? No, um, I often share with people that I walk down streets as a little girl that a lot of grown men wouldn't walk down today. You just heard Mark talk about some of the things happening on the south side. My school was off 63rd and King Drive. Um, and we just a group of us had no problem going to and from every day. Um, I have a father and a mom who told me to fear no man but God, and uh, I, that's how I've always operated in life. Uh, being strong, having my convictions, standing on principle, and as some people say, being ten toes down, not being afraid of what others might say or do, doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. I mean, because I, you know, certainly I've never had anyone imply that I'd be shot. Um, but I have had uh, my safety um, 
implied to be threatened or to be threatened. And that's never stopped me from wanting to serve. Uh, but what I will say is that I, it's, it's really heartbreaking that we've gotten to a point that we can't see the humanity in each other and that it would be in any way acceptable that anyone would even think about sharing such a video or sharing, uh, you know, such a post um, where, again, you're, you're depicting someone losing their life um, as you would maybe depict an animal being slaughtered, you know. We've got to get back to a place where we at least understand that each person is a human being. Whether we disagree with them or not, we've got to figure out how to recenter humanity um, amongst ourselves. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you, obviously, on that point. By the way, I just going to share a little anecdote. I don't know if uh, Leticia wants me to, but she, she really is not afraid. And I remember, uh, I think she's probably going to know where I'm going with this. Uh-oh. But one time she was doing it, we were doing an interview at the old radio show I had way, way, way on the northwest side of Chicago. After the show, uh, I, Leticia, I said, let's, let's go get a drink and talk. And uh, so we walked down the street, went into a bar, and I'm like, I walk in the bar and I go, Latisa, I don't know. Should we go into this bar? It was on the Northwest side. And and you said to me, what's on your mind, Ben? Tell me what's on your mind. <laughs> and I said, a black woman walking into this bar on the Northwest side of Chicago. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. And Latisa was like, let's do it. So we <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm happy to say, nope, nobody, it was no hassles, no nothing. It Everybody, was great. Yeah. Yes, the service was fine. You know, I'm not even really like a beer drinker or anything, but it was like, we're here. I'd like to eat because I think, you know, I'd driven up. It takes a minute to get to <laughs> where we were. So I'm just not going to let people intimidate me from being in spaces. Uh, you know, I do have my own personal protests. You know, there are some places that I won't go because I don't want to spend my money in places that I believe are actively discriminatory toward uh, people uh, like myself and other uh, individuals with any number of um, forms of intersectionality or diversity. But I just don't really get afraid like that. I don't know. Again, I don't want anybody out there calling my bluff, but I just generally see other people as people and they're not superhuman and I have a right to be and exist in spaces, whether somebody else thinks I have a right to be and exist in a space or not. Absolutely. Uh, that <laughs> I just still remember walking into that bar. It was so dark in there. And I'm like, it was. Uh, <laughs> now, that was the weird part. Cause it's like the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> it was so dark and she did not drink ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, she ate a sandwich or whatever. Okay. Uh, I'm not a drinker either. All right, uh, let's get into some of the issues uh, you talked about already that you would uh, have voted for the infrastructure bill. I would have voted for it as well, but as you well know, uh, there is a debate uh, going on, and uh, many of the people of my political persuasion, the progressives, uh, wanted a guarantee uh, that the human infrastructure bill uh, would be passed before we passed the infrastructure infrastructure bill mm-hmm. uh, i'm at this at this stage where something needs to be done by the democrats in congress to show that they can get something done something needs to be done for by joe biden to show uh that he can get something done and uh 
So I realize that it's a form of extortion. I understand it's political extortion, but I would have voted for it. Uh, how talk about your position on this, Latisa Wallace? If you were a congresswoman right now, having to uh, face this vote, go ahead. Yeah, I, I definitely would have voted for it. You know, I look across our. Uh, the 17th Congressional District, and it is one of those areas that actually has a lot in common with uh, various neighborhoods and parts of Chicago. Um, you have rural areas that are actually healthcare deserts. The digital divide is very real. And so this particular infrastructure bill will allow for investments in broadband, which is huge. We need that for students and for workers, for people who are pursuing new skills to be able to have access to the Internet um, that's reliable. Um, So I think that's extremely important. The thousands and thousands of bridges that are going to be rebuilt many of them needing repair for decades, Um, that's going to happen and that will happen with skilled uh, labor, with union labor. And, you know, of course, there's been a push to make sure that there's more diversity amongst um, our organized labor. But we certainly, certainly needed to invest in our physical infrastructure. And the point that I made about healthcare deserts, um, hopefully those things will be addressed you know, when we are able to see Congress get through the Build Back Better plan. And that, that plan will, you know, allow for the child tax credits to continue. That's That's been putting maybe some discretionary money into households. And having discretionary money is key in creating an, an economy that actually is booming, right? If you don't have money uh, to spend outside of your basic needs and you're not patron, you know, you're not going to patronize uh, small businesses in your community. You're not investing in maybe your own side hustle to maybe grow it into a small business. You're not able to even go to the larger businesses, right? So we, we do need that. Uh, again, the universal uh, child care or the universal early childhood education is also um, included in that human infrastructure bill. And we know that those investments pay, you know, dividends well into the future, decades into the future when you invest into young children. So I'm looking forward to them getting back um, to talking about the Build Back Better plan and getting that done. But certainly the physical infrastructure bill, it just read today, I think it'll um, bring back about $17 billion to the state of Illinois. Um, That's huge. And it'll put people back to work, which is what we need as we try to recover from this pandemic. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it seems so obvious. It seems so basic and seems so fundamental. Uh, and yet the 13 Republicans who voted for her are getting absolutely annihilated. Uh, f- abusive, threatening phone calls. Very similar to what I was just talking about. AOC, this is the tone and tenor of the times. How, Latisa, would you uh, sell the bill, so to speak, to constituents uh, in the 17th Congressional having voted for it? Then you go back to the district. What would you do to win over, let's say, uh MAGA supporters in your district uh, to get them to see the virtues of this bill? Well, some of those MAGA supporters are part of our organized labor and some of our union trades. Um, and so being able to say this is this is an opportunity to get back to work. This is an opportunity to be able to provide for your family. You know, look, at the end of the day, I'm not going to agree with many of the things that people on the far right have to say, particularly around that point of my humanity and the humanity of, of others who come from you know diverse backgrounds, whether it's ethnic or racial diversity, 
you know, people with disabilities, individuals who are part of the LGBTQAI plus um, community, I'm never going to agree with the hate that's coming out of that. But what I do know is that most people, when they're sitting around their dining room table, are thinking about how are we going to survive? And so that's how you go back. You have to sell the economic benefits of it. And my hope is to help families in the 17th not just survive but thrive, start to build upon the quality of life here. And and that's something that I think is nonpartisan. Unfortunately, we have made things far more complicated and extremely partisan. And not much different than what we saw in 2017, right, when we broke the the two-year budget impasse. Some of my Republican colleagues got huge amounts of pushback, and many left office. Um, one, of, one of my close colleagues, he was my classmate, we walked out together as a symbol of, you know, having done it our way, and we stood up, we broke the impasse, and... I ran for lieutenant governor to try to get through, to break through Bruce Rauner's um, lock on state government. But we walked out together as a symbol of no matter what side of the aisle you sit on, if you stand with your district and you stand with the citizens, things will work out. Because this is never about you and your position and your title. It's got to be about the people. So I'd sell it to them as it's about you. It's about getting back to work. And I want you to thrive. All right, uh, let's talk about some of the more contentious issues of the day uh, and get your thoughts on these. Uh, the, the two that pop to mind are Rittenhouse and COVID mandates. We talk a lot about both on the show. Just got done talking to Mark Sims about uh, his thoughts on Kyle Rittenhouse's testimony yesterday. Uh, very, um, It's just a very politically charged case right now. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse on trial for killing two people. Uh, in Kenosha. Uh, Your thoughts on that trial and what's at stake there? Unfortunately, I was extremely busy yesterday um, launching the campaign, but I will say that from what I've been able to observe of that, that case, first of all, just the heartbreak all all the way around from the incident that led to the protest um, to then of course this man you know, allegedly murdering and injuring another, you know, two people and injuring another person, the the lives impacted by um, a cycle of violence, no matter where that violence was coming from. You know, I did get to see some clips where people were kind of talking um, very critically about his testimony. I was surprised that he actually took the, uh, the stand um, in, in defense of himself, but I'm almost speechless around it because it, it is an extremely heartbreaking situation and it shows us what we need to do in terms of making sure that we're protecting um, our public when we're thinking about gun sales. And yes, we have a right and no one wants to take away anybody's right to bear arms. But I do think that if certain standards, procedures and protocols would have been followed and or were in place, Perhaps such a young man would not have been walking around with an assault rifle, um, willing to to aim it at anyone in his in his sight. And COVID mandates. Uh, this is also sort of your neck of the woods, uh, Rockford being north. And uh, so I just whenever I think of Rockford, I think Wisconsin. Don't know why I do, but I'm I do. Gonna, I mean, yeah, I'm right down the street from Beloit. 
So She's right down the street from Bowling. Make it there in just a moment. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's probably why whenever I think Rockford, I think Wisconsin. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, which is the football team in Wisconsin, really uh, charged up a lot of people, myself included, uh, with his um, performance last week. That's what I call it, a performance. I'm trying to be as nice as I can right now and get, get your thoughts on this. Uh, but taking uh, a strong position, a harsh position against the vaccine, against uh, any kind of mandate, and denouncing anybody who says uh, that he is in the wrong as uh, he called him a woke mob, a woke mob, and like they're picking on him, uh, and he's the victim. So I have many feelings about this, but let's get your thoughts. I'm not the candidate. You are. Uh, Joe Biden has uh, order a mandate for employers uh, over 100, uh, companies with over 100 to get uh, the shot. Uh, your thoughts on mandates and uh, COVID. Go ahead. Well, you know, I had a conversation earlier today with someone about the the hesitancy and the hesitation around uh, the vaccine, vaccine hesitancy, um, and why people aren't moving forward with that. And some of those um, populations are populations that people wouldn't necessarily would uh, think had much in common. We have hesitancy in the African American community. You also have that hesitancy um, within rural communities or communities that are predominantly white. Um, and just maybe people are having more access to disinformation than uh, the actual information around how the, the vaccine really can help the public. Um, it's very disappointing that such a public figure would take a stance, um, one, not be vaccinated and, and kind of put himself, his team players and other NFL players um, in harm's way. And two, uh, to, to be dishonest about it, you know, I, that's extremely problematic. I do think, however, that we have to figure out a way to get around uh, the disinformation so that people are more likely to voluntarily go about getting the vaccine. Um, we live in a country that obviously talks about freedoms all the time, right? Um, and so it will be very difficult in a nation like ours that has always been about record individualism. It's always been about individual choices and freedoms it will be very difficult to have mandates. That being said, no one has the right to endanger multiple thousands of people, right? We don't have the right to do that. And so we, we really do need to encourage uh, people to get vaccinated. We need to make sure that there's real information. And I think the way to get through to communities like the one I just the ones I just talked about um, is really listening to them, finding out what their exact concerns are, and finding ways to provide information that's not condescending and not uh, dismissive of whatever their very real fears or justifications, personal justifications are. But um, having someone out there saying what he's saying, what Aaron is saying around the vaccine is not going to help our cause um, in getting over the vaccine hesitancy that we're seeing in certain communities. Uh, let's see. So well put. Yeah, you are far more suited uh, to be a congressperson than me, because when I confront, I realize you shouldn't be patronizing. But when I like, for instance, another conversation we had on the show all the time, uh, Nicki Minaj and her cousin's friend. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I struggle like how, 
what do you say? You know, I mean, it, and Aaron Rodgers is a very similar thing. I mean, they'll. That's why I said there's, those are two communities that people don't often think have a lot in common, um, but they do. I very recently, you know, within the last several months, have told new members of the Illinois General Assembly, um, you know, on both sides of the aisle, guess what? You may have more in common, I told new GOP members, you may have more in common with the Black Caucus than you would ever imagine. And new Black Caucus members, I let them know you probably have more in common than some of the GOP members than you ever imagined. And I think on an issue like this, uh, you know, the hesitation to to get vaccinated, it's true. But we got to figure out how do we listen to and connect to those communities so that they move past the disinformation and do what's best for um, public health. You know what? When you went, when you said that, I flash back to the skit I saw years ago on Saturday Night Live, where Kenan Thompson, who's uh, one of the cast members of Saturday Night Live, played the host of a show called Black Jeopardy. And uh, one of the, I don't know if you ever saw this, one of the guests on, uh, one of the contestants was a character played by Tom Hanks, who was a MAGA supporter with a red hat. Yes. Every question that Kenan Thompson asked. Tom Hanks got it right. And Keenan Thompson would be like, unbelievable. I can't believe it. Yes. Uh, to, to prove your point, uh, if you got to see it, I know I didn't do justice. And that one was really, you know, a lot of those jokes were kind of class-based too, right? You know, there's just some things that working class folks, we know, <laughs> we kind of understand in different ways than other communities do. And that, that does cut across racial and ethnic lines. I think, you know, working class communities and, and families have kind of our own little culture and our own little kind of understanding of the world. Did you actually see that sketch? I do remember that sketch. Okay. Yes, I, that, I did. And it was just, extremely hilarious. So please funny. take a look at it. <laughs> he said, but just, just for the record at the end, uh, Tom Hanks says, as, I can't remember what the question is, but I think maybe it was about slavery or something. And Tom Hanks says the raw, it says a MAGA thing. And Keenan Tom's like ready to, Hey, wait a minute. Yeah, he does eventually get to a wrong answer, but almost everything else he he did right. Uh, All right, Latissa, it's a blast talking to you as always, and it's good to see you back in a fray. Yeah, and why don't you give folks if they if they want to know more about you, uh, why don't you give them any information you want to give out, like a uh, email, a website, or what have you. Yeah, I hope that people will definitely visit me at LatissaWallaceForCongress.com. So my first name is spelled L-I-T-E-S-A, Wallace. Anybody who's seen Braveheart can spell Wallace. So LatissaWallaceForCongress.com. And you can follow me on social um, at Latissa Wallace on Facebook and on Twitter. I'm not the best at Instagram, but, you know, I'll be around there. And eventually I'm going to talk that 17 year old of mine to do a TikTok video with me. So okay. <laughs> hopefully you'll visit. It's going to take lots of grassroots support, but thank you so much, Ben, for always being so gracious. And thanks for having me on today. All right there. You're welcome. That's Latisa Wallace running for Congress in the 17th congressional district. Uh, and also want to thank Mark Sims, uh, podcast extraordinaire host uh, for being on the show earlier uh and of course i want to thank the man the myth the legend the pride of joe vault illinois without whom this show would be possible and as latisa wallace and mark sims will tell you back home in alton they call him dr d give yourself a raise take it out of petty cash see you tomorrow everybody bye thank you
Chicago. Thank you, Chicago. Thank you, Chicago.